This podcast is sponsored by Cetera, makers of Checkmate and Puffer. Trust America's most popular brand of mating disruption as part of your IPM program. Welcome to My Ag Life, where we cover your world in agriculture. This podcast is powered by your top publications in the industry, West Coast Nut, Progressive Crop Consultant, and Organic Farmer Magazines. Here is your host, Jason Scott, publisher and CEO. Hi, this is Jason Scott with My Ag Life, and today we are talking with President and CEO of WAPA, Roger Isom, about new legislation that can have big impact on the California nut industry. Welcome, Roger. Good to have you again. Good afternoon. I understand there have been some new air quality executive order orders issued by Governor Newsom in relation to the climate change that are going to impact agriculture in California. Can you go through what those orders are and what uh, it'll mean for growers and handlers in our industry? Sure. So uh, there's a couple of them, but really the big one is this idea of going to zero emissions by 2035. That's the one that's got us by far scared the most. Um, What that particular executive order says is that all of your operating medium and heavy duty uh, vehicles uh, would be zero emissions. So everything in existence would be zero emissions by 2045, but all new cars and truck sales would be zero emissions by 2035. So if you're going to go buy one in 2036, it's going to be electric. Uh, it's a medium or heavy duty truck. On top of that, all drayage trucks, which obviously, you know, we use quite a bit in the tree nut business because all of our, or the majority of our product is exported they would have to be zero emissions by 2035, even those in existence. And probably the biggest one and the most far-reaching one is that all of the tractors and harvesters, all off-road equipment would have to be zero emissions by 2035. We don't even have anything right now that's even on the drawing board as zero emissions. Yes, there's some electric ATVs, there's some electric forklifts, uh, but nothing in what we typically use in agriculture is zero emissions. And so those are really, that's the, the, the gist of the executive order. Uh, the practicality, the cost, not even discussed or considered. And so that's where our, where our concern lies. So it sounds like uh, we're going to be in a state where gasoline and diesel will no longer be viable fuel source for trucks, tractors, and other mobile equipment. What will this mean for growers? Well, that's that's a great question. Uh, I think you got to look at it from several different uh, uh, ways. Uh, first, let's just say that you know, even if you think it can happen, and, and that's arguable, but let's just say it does. What are all of our competitors doing? You know, we, we get paid the same as, as every other part, part of the country, part of the world. We're, we're subject to a world price. If they're not having to go to electric and pay the exorbitant prices, not only for the equipment, but for the electricity itself, because you, you got to know that we pay higher electricity costs than anywhere else in the country. And so in, in some cases, more than double. In fact, over the last 12 years, the uh California electric rates have gone up five times higher than the national average. So if you can do it, how, how are we going to compete? You know, that's that's the, the first thing. And, and then back to the, to the other point, 
what's it going to cost? You know, a tier four tractor today, which is the cleanest burning diesel tractor, is several thousand dollars, tens of thousands of dollars more than what a tier three or tier two was just five, six years ago. What's an electric one going to be? You know, we have we have one thing that we can kind of compare it to, and that's the electric yard trucks. Those are uh, trucks that we use at our colors and processors. A new uh, uh, diesel yard truck, yard goat, whatever you want to call it, $150,000 for one that's a, an a ARB truck wheel compliant truck. You can buy a used one from the port for $50,000. A brand new electric yard truck does the same thing. $285,000, not including the charging station you have to install to charge it. So kind of extrapolate that out to the ag community. How, how are you going to do that? What's the cost? And what, what do we do during harvest? We have so many pieces of equipment that we'd have to charge overnight, you know, from sweepers to shakers to pickup machines to just our normal everyday tractor. Um, you know, how, how are we going to do that? How are we going to afford that on something we're using just a few months out of the year? Yeah, it sounds like it's uh, these new laws and regulation um, is really making it hard for us to be competitive on the global market. What do you see as how are we going to compete in the future? Well, it's, we it's not only that, because I, I don't know that we will going forward, but there's actually a bigger problem that's right now. And that is that, especially in San Joaquin Valley, where we are, quote unquote, non-attainment for PMK. And what that means is that we don't meet the federal air quality standard or particulate matter. And because of that, we are under a mandate to replace our existing tier zeros, ones and two tractors, all the old tractors and harvesters with tier three or newer. Uh, we need to get 11 tons of reductions or basically replace about 12,500 pieces of equipment by 2023. So if I'm a farmer and I've got to replace one of my pieces of equipment right now, but I know in 10 or 12 years, I'm going to have to buy electric. Why would I do that? I'll just wait. There's no incentive for me to do that. Even if you pay me 50% to replace my existing piece of equipment, then I've got to turn right back around before its useful life is over and buy an electric one. Doesn't make any sense at all. And so farmers are just going to stop buying tractors right now until they have to. And what does that do? Unfortunately for us, especially in San Joaquin Valley, that mandate is there and it says if you don't voluntarily replace your 12,500 tractors or get that 11 tons of reductions, we're going to mandate that every tier zero, one and two tractor be replaced by 2030. So if you don't do it voluntarily, the state's going to step in and mandate that you replace it. And they're going to mandate that you replace it twice in 10 or 12 years. It's, it's, it's outrageous. Yeah. And we brought this up to them and they're like, oh, you know, we didn't think about that. So, you know, the governor rushed to make a snap judgment and decision to try to address climate change because of all these forest fires. I understand that. I mean, it's, these forest fires are devastating. I mean, by, by far the most fires we've ever had. But step back for a second at the, at the world scale. Greenhouse gas emissions from China, India are going up far greater than anything that the United States is reducing. And oh, by the way, really California is the only one that's reducing emissions. So what are we doing? You're gonna put all this economic burden on business in California, in particular agriculture, and you're not gonna make a dent in climate change. 
I get wanting to set the standard, be the first one, but don't do it in a way that puts agriculture out of business because that's exactly what's going to happen. Can you imagine a guy that's got 40 acres, 80 acres, replacing everything that he owns with electric? It, it can't be done. And, and, let, and I apologize, but let me layer one more thing on top of this. Our electric system right now doesn't have a lot of reliability. We had rolling brownouts back in, in August because we simply can't produce enough power during certain periods of the day because we've shifted from reliable, solid, 24-7 natural gas and coal and nuclear power plants over to wind and solar that really only produce power when the wind is blowing and the sun is shining. And, you know, we bring that up to them and they say, well, at some point down the road, we'll have battery storage so that when we, you know, can do that. Maybe, but that ain't today. So you're asking me to, to make an investment in technology to where what happens if I have peak harvest and we have a rolling brownout and I'm on that block that gets shut off tonight. So my equipment's not charged to go for tomorrow. I just don't, I just can't harvest tomorrow. I mean, does that make any sense whatsoever? Makes and no again, sense. come back to, are we making a difference on climate change? No, no. Yeah. And so, again, and I don't want to get into that argument as to whether or not there should be or shouldn't be. It's just the fact that California is the only one even looking at any type of mandate. No other state is looking at this. No other country is looking at this. There's, you know, there's a lot of talk about if, uh, if Biden is confirmed as a president, that one of the first things he's going to do is, is you know, uh, re-sign the Paris Accord. Do you think those other countries are doing anything from a mandate like California is talking about? No. Sure, there's, there's reductions occurring, and they'll sell credits to California like Quebec does, but nobody has a mandate of mandating that you replace all your trucks and your tractors and your harvesters and all go to electric. My Ag Life will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Cetera is proud to introduce the most durable puffer yet. The patented new design is faster to deploy and delivers the highest quality pest control pheromone all season long. Trusted on more acres than any other mating disruption aerosol in the world, Cetera's dependable puffer is improving every season. Just like the growers we serve. Choose Cetera, the number one choice of PCAs. What are great associations like WAPA and other leaders in agriculture? How are we closing the gap and trying to gain some common sense with those putting these laws in place? So right now, we're just trying to educate them to make them understand what it is that they're trying to do. We've, we've met with uh, uh, Secretary Blumenfeld and Secretary uh, Ross uh, last week, trying to point out some of these issues uh, before them to get them to realize, hey, we understand what you're trying to do, but you don't understand the impact of what you're doing. And so uh, we're putting information together for them right now, trying to determine, show them what the economic impact would be, and, and also how you're jeopardizing the short-term health of people in the San Joaquin Valley and the economic vitality of this industry. And right now, that's all we can do is just, is just try to educate them and make them understand that there's consequences for such a far-reaching uh, goal as what's set forth in this executive order. Absolutely. Um, you would think that there would be some more common sense to this, but... Well, you know, the people at that level aren't, they don't see all the things that are happening. So one thing I haven't mentioned is all the other 
air pollution regulations that are going to be hitting agriculture at the exact same time. So ARB right now is workshopping a zero emission forklift rule. They are taking to their board either this month or December or January uh, a zero emission transportation refrigeration unit uh, system. So all of these reefers that come in, go to uh, cold storage, pick up product, and then haul it to stores and that, that those would now have to be all electric. So any packing house or some of our processors that are organic that use cold storage would now have to provide electric hookups to those trucks that are coming in so that they can plug their TRU in it. Uh, unit into it and pay for that cost because that that trucker is going to have to pass that cost on to somebody and guess what we're the end of the road and uh you know how, how are we going to do that uh so you you layer on oh by the way we're in the last few years of the truck rule and all of the ag truck replacements come due in 2023 um lastly you've got the uh uh irrigation pump engine rule for the San Joaquin Valley, where uh, a few years ago, we had just upgraded all of them to, to tier three. Well, that wasn't good enough. Now the board, the district board, in fact, are workshopping it next week to go to tier four or electric by 2024. So you're talking about if I'm a grower, I'm going to replace the last of my trucks. I'm going to replace my tractors. If I have a forklift, I'm going to replace my forklift. If I have a packing house or cold storage, I'm going to be replacing my TRU units. It, at what point does this does this end? It'd be one thing if this was once every five years. Hey, this this five years you do your truck. Next five years you do your tractor. It's it's not that. It's right now. It's everything all at one time. So if I'm a grower, processor, or, or either one or the other, who do I turn to at this moment? This is a lot of regulation. It's a lot of pressure for us as an industry. What can we do, Roger, with the information we've got right now? What do you advise folks should be doing? Well, what we're telling people is, A, contact your local legislator. Every assemblyman and senator needs to know about this. And they're asking. They're, I mean, at that same meeting I was talking about, we had four assembly people there to make sure that they also understand what's going on. The second thing is they have got to be at those workshops. I know it takes time. The trade associations are there, that we need growers there stepping up and saying, look, this is how it's going to impact my particular operation. And that's where it really starts to get on, right? If, I've, if I'm a 40-acre farmer and I've got a sweeper, a shaker, a pickup machine, three tractors, and maybe a forklift, and, and oh, and I've got a truck, and I tell them I've got to replace all that in the next five years, how are we going to do it? And then tell the stories of what's really happening, right? So, you know, we started planting almonds in Arizona this last year. Seems crazy, right? But it it's not. It, you know, maybe they don't even get the yield that we get in California, but they don't have half the regulations we have. Their minimum wage is lower. They're, they don't have ag overtime. Their workers' comp is exactly half of what it is in California. Their electric rates are less than half of what they are in California. So you start to say that, hey, I can make half the yield, but I could do so much better over there than here. We have yeah. an almond butter uh, operation that moved to Lubbock, Texas. Doesn't make sense. Move all the way to Lubbock, Texas. And I questioned them. They said, Roger, minimum wage is $7.25 an hour. You understand very quickly yes. how that works. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the, the old adage is, is that ag can't move. Well, that may be true to some degree in terms of the crops themselves, but at the cost that we're talking about, all of a sudden, transportation to another state isn't that far off. 
And if we can grow their microclimates in some of these other states where we can start to grow this stuff, unfortunately, you're going to see an exodus because we just can't do everything that they're asking us to do. It's even our most progressive growers just simply can't keep up with the cost. Uh, an example I use, they say, well, you can't grow almonds anywhere else. And, and maybe that's true, even though you know we're trying in Arizona, but you can grow them in Australia. And I have an operation that bought a brand new loader here in California, a uh, brand new front end loader to load a uh, hole and shell uh, at the almond hose. A brand new tier four, $360,000 for a tier four. Wow. They, they have an operation in Australia and they bought the exact same loader, except it was made in China. It looks the same from the outside, but guess what? It's got a tier zero engine in it because they can still do that. And there's no mandates over there. You know what the price was? $60,000. Wow. So they're doing the same. They're growing the same yeah. product, doing the same thing, but $360,000 versus $60,000. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Any other big issues, Roger, we need to be looking out for in our great state of California? Well, the, I think the, the big thing at this immediate moment, it, it's not a regulation, but it's basically the shutdown of the ports. Uh, the exports are basically stopped uh, because of the huge increase in imports. Uh, we received word this morning that at least two carriers now have canceled all exports until at least March. Uh, it hit the tree ministry this week at the worst possible time. And so we're contacting anybody and everybody. We're having Zoom meetings almost every hour right now trying to draw attention to it. Uh, but we're at the mercy of uh, basic economic uh, functions where the importers will pay these carriers several thousand dollars to uh, import goods from uh, Asia, in particular China, and they want empty containers back as quickly as possible. And they don't want to wait around and they don't want to have to, to offload a bunch of ag exports and sit in quarantine. They want those empties so they can get them turned around as quickly as possible. And I think, I think this is going to be a problem, unfortunately, all the way through the Chinese New Year. Uh, and we're, we're, we're at their mercy right now. And it, it there was no forewarning of this. Nobody saw it coming until, unfortunately, we're right in the middle of it. And it isn't just, you know, tree nuts. I mean, it's impacting every ag export right now from tree nuts to cotton to soybeans, anything that was going uh, west to uh, across the Pacific is basically on hold right now. Uh, it, these carriers these are shipping empty containers, boatloads of empty containers to China to get them turned around as quickly as possible. And it, it literally has shut us down. Do we know what's driving that? Yeah, uh, COVID was shut this country down for for many months. And you've got, I mean, we're busy this time of the year anyway, right? With Christmas coming and that, that our imports always increase this time of the year, but it's exacerbated right now because everybody's buying online, Amazon and that, and where's all that stuff come from? It, it all comes from China and Southeast Asia and that's, where they just can't get it here fast enough and in enough volume. And so they, they want those empty containers to load them right back up and, and bring them here. And we're at their mercy because we used to be, they'd bring the imports in and they'd take a, a boatload of, you know, ag exports back to China on the return trip. But uh, right now that's not happening. 
any word of when that you said you said that that might lighten up and go back to normal for us well at least two of the carriers were told it's march which is unacceptable we're going to miss our our market opportunities um we're going to lose our market share potentially in some cases uh so we're just trying to draw attention to it right now and see if we can get the federal government to intervene somehow some way to get some of this loosened up it just uh, doesn't make sense uh but it, the money they're making off those imports is enough to offset hauling a, a literally a boatload of empty containers across the Pacific headed back. Doesn't make any sense to us, but that's that's what's happening. Great information, Roger. Any final points? No, uh, I'd say uh, going into this next season, uh, uh, legislative year, buckle up. It's going to be it's going to be a rough one. And if there was ever a call for action for people to get more involved, support your organizations, it's, it's now. I think, you know, coming off the, the one bit of good news, right, this week, that uh, we were able to, to finally get the final vote count that Proposition 15 was defeated, would have been the large ta largest tax increase in California history, would have definitely impacted agriculture, um, in, you know, in particular permanent crops and certainly all the processing operations. Uh, it took everybody, it took all of ag pulling in the same direction, and we were able to defeat it. And I think it really shows what ag can do when everybody's working together and, and again, pulling in that same direction. Unfortunately, it's going to take a lot more of that going into 2021. But, you know, we've set the example. It can be done, uh, but it's going to be a lot of work. So I just tell your listeners to roll up your sleeves. Uh, you know, you step in where and when you can and be prepared to do some work. Right. Good advice, uh, encouraging news, and just want to echo Roger's uh, call to action. Um, you know, I, if I've learned anything through this last year is reminded, rather to say, is that this is, this is our state. This is our home. If we don't look after it, who will? I'm Jason Scott with My Ag Life. Thanks for listening. Subscribe for updates on new episodes, exclusive content, and more at myaglife.com.